0: How's it going, Katie Herzog? That-
1: Pretty good, Jesse. Um, I, I I saw some big media news yesterday, and I wanted to uh, take a moment to congratulate the newest columnist for the New York Post, Brett Stevens.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. Big news. What's going on?
1: Yeah. Brett took uh, quite a career move. He went from the New York Times, um, apparently, to uh, the New York Post. So this is going to hopefully conclude our discussion from our episode earlier this week, which was about... A controversy currently tearing apart the New York Times. Another one, the weekly controversy, um, about the N-word. If people missed that episode in brief, a star New York Times COVID reporter, Don O'Neill, who had been with the paper for 47 years. McNeil.
0: Anti, anti, that's anti-Irish racism. Yes.
1: I've done that. Like, that's like the fifth time I've done that. Um, so, Don McNeil resigned last week, uh, after the Daily Beast reported that he said the N-word, not in a derogatory context. He was sort of quoting somebody on a, s- a trip with a bunch of teenagers in 2019. Uh, 150 New York Times staffers signed a letter demanding an investigation. A, re- a re-investigation. A re-investigation. It had been investigated in 2019. Uh, Dean Becke, the editor of the, of the, of the paper, said he didn't he didn't per- perceive any malice, um, in and McNeil's statements, and it was sort of resolved. And then this was dredged up again by some reporting, possibly shoddy reporting in the Daily Beast. So, I tweeted after this all started happening, after this was unfolding on Twitter a couple weeks ago or a week ago or so. I tweeted something like, "I look forward to reading the Brett Stevens column on the Don McNeil firing in the New York Times." And I said that because Brett Stevens, as much as people hate him, the dude has some big balls. And he used this column last summer to criticize, to sharply criticize the New York Times, uh, star reporter Hannah Nicole Jones and the 1619 Project. So.
0: Which, just to be clear, I viewed as racist criticizing that, but I know you disagree with that. Yes,
1: it was, anytime you criticize a person of color, it is automatically racist. So on February 11th, Dylan Byers, who is a reporter for uh, NBC News and MSNBC, tweeted a scoop. Brett Stevens, according to his tweet, had indeed written a column about the Don McNeil firing and it was spiked by the publisher of the paper – AG Salzberger. Um, so hilariously, this column was leaked apparently to the New York Post and the New York Post published it in full. But the funny thing is, is that they put Brett Stevens byline up. So (laughs) he is now, he, now he has a credit at the New York Post. Everybody's dream. It's
0: just, you know, it's so sad to see this blue collar working class columnist at the New York Times, Brett Stevens, Having his voice silenced by an oligarch like A.G. Sulzberger. I just think if you care about injustice and inequality, this should outrage you.
1: Absolutely. And I I think, you know, New York Post taking his column and publishing it, presumably without his permission, really is standing up for the little guy.
0: I thought the column was, like, fine. I mean, he focused on the intent doesn't matter thing, which is such low-hanging fruit that how could you mess that up? But it's just like – Everything is so hyper politicized now that if Brett Stevens wrote a column about how puppies are cute, you'd get a storm of think pieces about how puppies are problematic.
1: Right, right. People do not like Brett Stevens. Um, okay. So I did think that he made one point in the column and it was actually something that you and I had talked about on our episode about this whole saga earlier this week, uh, or last week, if you're listening to this, um, on the free feed. And I had, we had got, we had sort of a, a long discussion in the middle of the show prompted by me about whether or not it was appropriate for white people to ever say the N-word in a quoting context or a non-derogatory context. And I argued that it is okay and that this is a norm that we should be pushing back against because intent does matter. Intent matters in almost every facet of American – or not American life, of human life. Um... And so as part of that discussion, I, I said, uh, something about how like, you know, the, the job of, of reporting, the job of journalism is to convey what is happening in the clearest way possible. We didn't actually put this in the show. I cut it out because I didn't actually want to have like a 10 minute monologue about (laughs) why white people should say the N word. And I also don't think I made my point very well, but Brett uses it in the column in the, in the context of quoting Lee, Lee Atwater, who is a Republican strategist. And I'm not going to read the word. And as I said on the last episode, even though I think that as a, as a moral position, we should be saying the word when it is a non-derogatory context. I don't think that we should, that we should accept this, this like new standard that this word is totally verboten in every context, unless you are a, a black person or a person of color, maybe. Um, and so Brett writes it, and I'm not going to read it, but I'll, I will uh, expurgate it. This quote from Lee Atwater is, you start out in 1954 by saying, inward, inward, inward. By 1968, you can't say inward. That hurts you. Backfires. So you say stuff like, uh, force busing, states' rights, and all that stuff. The way that I just said that quote, it doesn't have any power. No. No.
0: And it's a very—it's like an infamous, very important quote that describes the entire Southern strategy that Nixon relied. That's like a vitally important part of American recent political history.
1: Exactly, which is why the New York Times, according to Brad Stevens, has published this quote seven times. Most recently in 2019. The way I just read it, there's no power in this quote. When you see the when you see it on the page and you don't see it expurgated, when you see the full word written out, it is a powerful. It's a powerful quote. It explains a lot about about the Republican strategy. It explains a lot about American politics. Um, and that it wouldn't. Have had that power if brett had you know said inward in there um so i i think he made that point better than i would
0: do you want to try to read it again with gamer
1: <laughs> you start out in 1954 by saying gamer 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 g-
0: like <laughs> <laughs> uh sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but that was very important so you understand why i did. I,
1: I understand yeah so brett did it brett has bigger balls than i do and i think this column is worth reading you will not read it in the new york times but you will re- you can read it in the new york post there is some,
0: I guess, dispute over whether Selsberger spiked it or whether uh, the editorial page editor, Kathleen Kingsbury, just thought it wasn't up to snuff. Uh, as with all these things involving the Times, there's tremendous confusion. They've also backtracked on the whole intent doesn't matter thing. Like Dean McKay and Joe Cod put out a statement uh, trying to appease their staffers that seemed to say intent doesn't matter. Then there was a follow-up statement. I forget... By who exactly might have been a time spokeswoman that was like, of course intent matters. Not only that, but they said they're going to continue to print the word when it's warranted. So nothing has been resolved. Everything is chaos. The universe is meaningless.
1: Yeah. Um, I want to mention one more thing about this. And then hopefully we'll never have to have another discussion about the N-word for at least a week. This is like the new Robin D'Angelo, where it's going to come up every fucking (laughs) week. Um, So – After we recorded the other day, I listened to The Glenn Show with Glenn Lowry and John McWhorter, and John McWhorter told a story, and I didn't bother to look up the details, so I apologize for that. But he told this story about a professor, I believe it was somewhere in the Midwest who printed two words on like an exam or on a syllabus or something. And I can't remember what the context was, but these were not, it was a, a, a use meaning distinction. This was, this was not derogatory. And the words were bitch and the N word. He starred them out. So even so bitch, like it was B star, star, star H or whatever, N star, star, star R, whatever it was. His students complained. Um, he was removed from teaching his class and he was banned from campus. Banned from campus. Banned from, this is according to John McWhorter. He was banned from campus. And so this, like, that's part of the reason I think this is important to push back on because it starts out with you can't say the word itself in any context. And what is it now? You can't expurgate the word. You can't refer to it at all. Like, what are we supposed to do at some point in the future? You just, like, wiggle your eyebrows and, like, silently mouth it. It's just, this is a ridiculous standard. It's just creeping too far.
0: You also, um, yeah, for what it's worth, John Shade in a recent column said he had firsthand knowledge of a teacher who had read, I think it was Huck Finn, um, a decade ago. Video of her emerges reading the word a decade ago, clearly reading someone else's words on it. She is fired from her teaching job. That's crazy.
1: For reading Huck Finn.
0: I forget if it was Huck Finn or some other book that mentioned the N-word, but it, she was not reading a racist track. She was reading a book that uses it in that sense. And, yeah, I'll, I'll include a link to show notes, but – um. You know, at the very least, the people who disagree with us about the use mentioned distinction should be able to stand up and say, obviously, 10 year old video of a teacher reading this in a setting where clearly there weren't strong norms against it or she wouldn't have done it, like, no one should be in favor of that.
1: Right, I mean, this is, this is one of the things that's happening is, Past behavior that was not problematic at the time is being reinvestigated. Um, and we're applying the rules of today to this behavior that was not taboo at the time where people wouldn't have done it. And that's really bad.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's not ideal. Um, so we will, we will see how things go at the New York Times. Um, Seems like an interesting place to work.
1: Yeah, uh, to put it mildly. Anyway, so uh, this is Blocked and Reported, and I'm Katie Herzog. I'm Jesse Single. And today, what are we talking about, Jesse? We're talking about Gina Carano,
0: uh, a woman I'm going to pretend I, I would have known who she was a week ago. She's a former MMA fighter turned actress. Uh, she started the 2011 film Haywire. Um Steven Soderbergh, like, action thriller. I watched the trailer for it. It's basically just this, like, hot jacked woman beating up a series of dudes, which, like, who, who could not be behind that? Although they also, apparently Steven Soderbergh, like, didn't like her voice, so had another actress dub over her lines. It's very, very confusing. Sounds kind of mean. Uh, more recently, she was in, uh, some Star Wars bullshit. Uh, can I just quickly express, like, I, I, Growing up, I liked the Star Wars movies. I find the current fixation on Star Wars, I just think it's been so bad for so long. I don't have it in me to even pronounce the name of the show correctly, so I'm going to call it The Mandelabrian. Is that okay with you, Katie? I
1: think that's what it is. I think that is correct.
0: Candelabra. Star Wars, candle Star Wars, colon Candelabra is the name of the show. Gina Carano was a co-star in. I take it, I can tell you were never into any Star Wars, right?
1: I think I've watched one or two. Um, yeah, not my thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So Gina Carano, let's start what just happened and then work backwards a little bit. Here's, here's what uh, Robbie Suave said in reason. Gina Carano is a former MMA fighter, outspoken Republican and co-star of Disney's, uh, call Candelabra. On Wednesday, Lucasfilm, the Disney owned studio that produces the Mandalorian and other Star Wars properties, denounced her social media posts and said there were no plans to include her in any future projects. Candelabra just finished season two. She will not be in season three. Uh, maybe they will kill off her character in some sort of like social justice tribunal. Um, The issue here was she had a history of sort of controversial posts and Lucasfilm sort of gave her a kick in the ass out the door by saying Gina Carano is not currently employed by Lucasfilm and there are no plans for her to be in the future. Nevertheless, her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. The most recent post was I think it was on Instagram and a bunch of outlets, including, as I pointed out on Twitter, Gizmodo, just referred to it as straightforwardly anti-Semitic, which is crazy because it it isn't. So this post was basically that this horrible, famous old photo of a of a Jewish woman uh, being chased through the streets of Germany. And Gina Carano said, Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers – I mean, that's obviously false – but by their neighbors, even by children. Frowny face. Which is, I got to say, the perfect emoji for the Holocaust is a frowny face. (laughs) Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? I think this is stupid. Like, okay, in the way a lot of stupid statements ha- or offensive statements have some kernel of truth. Yes, there is some path from like everyday political hatred to Nazism. I found this offensive just because she is clearly in context comparing like American treatment of Republicans somehow saying that has something to do with Nazi treatment of Jews and just casual dehumanization. This is not an anti-Semitic post. At no, there's it is clearly anti-Nazi. It is clearly not denigrating Jews. Um, I'll ask you, my, my goyish friend. You, you don't see anything anti-Semitic here, right?
1: No, but maybe that's because I'm anti-Semitic. I'm not sure. I mean, I really, right. I really don't understand the problem with comparing people to Nazis because I see it daily. Donald Trump is a Nazi. You know, Mike Pence is a Nazi. Jesse Single is a Nazi. So I didn't know that that was against the rules. That's very confusing to me. That rule is definitely not, not applied evenly. I mean, it, it's, it's potentially like ignorant and ahistorical. I think she was making a, a, a valid point about dehumanization. I don't think that Republicans are being treated like Jews under Nazi Germany. That's ridiculous. Um, but I do think that dehumanization is a problem. And I think that looking at people who disagree with you politically as your enemies is also a problem.
0: Yeah. Um, I think I'm stealing this point from John Chate, but. Uh, you know, people regularly compared the admittedly horrific treatment of migrant kids at the border to Nazism.
1: To, yeah, the Holocaust.
0: Yes. If, if we're not allowed to make overstatements that compare things to Nazis, that is clearly an overstatement. Obviously, there is a superficial comparison because you are literally putting people in a camp. But But – I, I do find that a little bit offensive as a Jew because you're not putting them in a camp to eventually kill them or work them to death. However horrible that horrible system was, it's not it's not anywhere near the same.
1: Right. And they weren't like rounded up in their homes. They walked to the border. I'm mean, not like this is not in any way a defense of, of American immigration policy, but it's just not the same thing.
0: Yeah. The point is, if you're if this is if it's considered anti-Semitic to make an overhyped Nazi analogy, then then we're all anti semites now. On one other occasion, um, as we'll see sort of the anger at Gina built up over time, because like, I do think in terms of what people get mad about, they get, they get most mad about people who are perceived as conservative or are conservative sort of invading progressive spaces, right? I think that's a particular trigger point. Yeah, definitely. Um, Hollywood is of course like overwhelmingly progressive. Gina Carano is not the one other, I'll go through some of her other posts, but the, um, the one other arguably anti-Semitic one is she posted this mural, an altered version of a mural called freedom for humanity. It's this very conspiratorial image that I'll include in the show notes of like a bunch of, uh, oligarchs, white oligarchs sitting around what looks like some sort of monopoly board. And it's being held up by these naked workers. There's an Illuminati pyramid in the background. It's just, it's pretty deranged. People said this was an anti-Semitic image, it's complicated. Uh, there's six white men here. I, I don't think they're visibly Jewish. In terms of who they're supposed to refer to, I think two of the six are. This appears to be an altered version of a mur- mural someone painted on a London street, and Jeremy Corbyn got involved in this controversy. In that version, there seem to be um, uh, exaggerated noses in the manner of anti-Semitic caricatures. Gina Carano's version seems to me like the sort of thing you just – post if you're a dumb conservative and don't have context like even me someone who is familiar with anti-semitic imagery I had to like sort of squint and then I was like Yes, I understand why people would see this as an anti-Semitic. I also don't think if someone posted that, you could, you could infer intent from it. Uh, if intent, if intent matters, I forget.
1: Right, it it doesn't. But, right, it's totally possible that this came from an anti-Semitic source. It's possible she was aware of this. It's also possible that she's kind of dumb. Um, I went through her social media today and she posts lots of memes the way like a, a teenager would or like, like a social justice. A boomer? I think a it's more boomer. like a boomer yeah. almost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but just in this sort of, um, What's the right word for it? It's just sort of unsophisticated. Um, I guess that's elitist of me. She's not like,
0: she's not like us who replaces, uh, you know, do things like replace racial slurs with gamer highbrow stuff. She's not
1: sophisticated. She's not posting cool memes like us. But so her, but it's very haphazard. Like she doesn't really look like she's a good, like a good savvy social media user. Um, you know, I, it's definitely possible that she's anti-Semitic. I don't think that this is anywhere like near as clear as like the Nick Cannon anti-Semitism where he's like <laughs> no. phrasing Lewis Faragon. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but it, you know, it doesn't matter online.
0: Yeah. So some of her other posts, like, I mean, one of them, I think Shade pointed this out, like people were like, yeah, she said Jeffrey Epstein got murdered. It's like, Come on, he did. Okay, I mean, like, who doesn't think? Jeffrey, I know. I don't. I can't pretend to have looked into that at all. But that's that's a crazy conspiracy theory. Um, that this dude carrying around in his head, God knows what dirt on what people was murdered. Um,
1: who conveniently dies when there's no cameras on his on his cell. Yeah,
0: what a psycho. Um, she also did. She actually. It's funny that the one thing I or she might have done other apologies, but the one tweet I know she apologized for. She claimed to have experienced some pressure to put pronouns in her bio so she she (laughs) took the low road and made her pronouns i am reading this i'm not endorsing this beep boop bop i i sort of like i this again is not something you should lose your career over it's just i find the pronoun jokes at this point so played out and there i think there's like a little bit of an i don't think she intended this but there's like I don't know. Isn't there like a little bit of an element of mocking cruelty to
1: it? I think it's fine because I think putting your pronouns in your bio is stupid. Um, so because I think that, then I am fine with mocking something that I think is, is, is silly. Um, so I don't have a problem with her mocking pronouns in her bio. Lots of people do this. She's hardly. Right. Like, it's like, I know trans people who do it because they also think it's silly. A trans woman who I interviewed for that piece I wrote for Andrew Sullivan's newsletter on, uh, lesbianism, um, Dana Beyer, she's in her, I believe she's in her sixties. She's been an out trans woman for forty fucking years or something like that. I mean, like, a real Pioneer. Um, she, when I was talking to her, she referred to, to pronoun recitations as pronoun circle jerks. And I think she's right about that. So I have no problem with making fun of pronouns in your bio. I wish I would like, and the thing now, sorry, Jesse, but the thing now is like, it used to be like pronouns in your bio. And now people are putting pronouns in their username. So you, like, you cannot possibly avoid it. And so I get all these, and they do it on like LinkedIn and shit too. So I get all these LinkedIn notifications that are like this entirely heterosexual cis sorority girl that I went to college with is a she her. Thank you for telling me. I had no fucking way of knowing <laughs> That's that. So right. brave
0: of her to come out right. as a woman. Totally.
1: So I am all for making fun of pronouns <laughs> and bio. Do it. I'm
0: against it because for a Okay, I think for a lot of people, I don't use this term a lot, but we can safely say it's virtue signaling. They would say it they would express this as like this makes sort of society more comfortable for trans people. My sense is trans people are not 100% on the same pages about this like most famously contrapoints pointed out Sometimes the obsession with uh, pronouns makes life less, you know, nice for at least for binary trans people. I do think there's like a significant subset of people who put pronouns in their bio who are communicating something important about them. And I would no more want to make fun of that than I would want to make fun of someone's religious identity, even if I disagreed with some aspect of it. You
1: don't make fun of someone's religious identity.
0: I make fun of religion, not individual religious people.
1: Okay. That's, that's fair. But like Mormons. No comment.
0: I'm not – I'm going to post these memes about how Mormons secretly run everything. (laughs) The other thing, though, is like at this point, my pronouns are derp, blurp, blurp, is like – that's the equivalent of like a comedian being like, have you ever noticed that black people are better dancers than white people? Don't you at least have like a, a humor aesthetic gripe with it because it's so played
1: out? I mean, it's true.
0: <laughs> Fuck off, Katie. <laughs> this is yet another area of searing disagreement: is whether, anyway, none of which is to say
1: that a, you've never seen me dance. That's why you say that
0: uh, you don't want to see me dance either. Um, we'll have a well when everything's back in person, we'll do a dance off in the middle of the in the middle of the country yeah. in Nebraska. Um. Okay, that was a distraction. I do, I don't like pronoun jokes, but the idea that saying your pronouns are bleep, bloop, bop is, should in any way threaten your job, especially given this sort of inflammatory left wing statements that are allowed, if not encouraged, just, that doesn't really make sense. It's a double standard.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Jonathan Chay compared this to the Red Scare. What did you think about that take?
0: It struck me as Overheated, but I couldn't really come up with a principled reason why it's different. I mean, what people will always say is like, "Well, no, she was really anti-Semitic," which, a, I don't think she is, and b, the whole point is like, okay, back then they're like, "No, they're really communists. We really have to do something." Like it's always it's always justified as like in the moment you have to punish them, and I I think Gina Carano seems like um not the sharpest tool in the shed as as Smashmouth would put it, but not. I don't think this should be she's just like a dumb conservative. There are lots of dumb liberals, and we live in a country that is fairly evenly divided and i this idea that like if we fire enough conservatives, people are going to stop being conservative like can you imagine something better designed to only drive people further into their camps?
1: yeah, absolutely i mean i I also thought that that Chait's comparison was maybe a little bit over dramatic. But I'm trying to think of any prominent conservatives currently working in Hollywood, like prominent ones, and I'm having trouble thinking of any.
0: There's a, Chris, what's his name at least is religious, the guy from Parks and Rec, and then, Mel Mel Gibson. Um, yeah, but
1: he's not he doesn't get jobs anymore, does he?
0: Although yeah, in his case it's so different because he's just outwardly anti-semitic.
1: Right, he's actually anti-semitic. But it's really hard to think of like prominent, I mean Clint Eastwood, but he's not really working anymore. Um John Voight, he's not really working anymore.
0: So yeah, I, I guess my counterpoint is um a couple things. One is we don't actually know the politics of a lot of Hollywood stars. We just know the ones who are outspoken on social media. So it could be like a lot of them I doubt a lot of them are quietly conservative. I think the arts attract mostly liberals. But I guess what makes me skeptical of trade's claim is just like we don't actually know if like the consequences for just being like a conservative rather than an outspoken, annoying one on social media would be dire. There are Hollywood types who will support figures like Che Guevara or Maduro – I thought someone, at the very least Hugo Chow—I mean, there's like—these are all people who are left-wing heroes, but a lot of them have killed people, and conservatives don't like them. Um, It's an oversimplification to say Maduro's a left-wing hero, because a lot of lefties rightfully view him as an evil dictator now. But the point is, like, it's less—if it wasn't so obviously the case that if you have the right politics, you can basically say whatever you want, no matter how crazy— Maybe there'd be be less of an argument of a double standard here, but like overall, I to the extent I feel bad for any Hollywood star, I I do, I just don't think firing Gina Carano was warranted. I mean, do you think do you think I'm right that this like has a backlash effect that's likely to only make things worse?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, she was also fired by her agent, um, which has gotten, I think, a little bit less attention than the Disney thing. If she had been explicitly anti-Semitic, if she had said, like, kill the Jews or something like that, I think our opinions would both be different. But that's not what this is.
0: I would be against. I would be against. You that, would be against be
1: her firing. You would be pro saying.
0: I would be against her. Yes, I, killing. It, no, I, yeah. I mean, yes, obviously. You 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 have to read so much intent to to. I'd say one of the posts is not even arguably anti-Semitic. The other one, to say it was anti-Semitic, you have to assume she has a level of sophistication she clearly lacks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is going to be a line where even people like us, who are more likely to be free speech absolutists than I think the majority of like liberal journalist on Twitter, there's going to be a line somewhere where even I say like, no, this, like obviously the brand should disassociate from this person. I just don't think this is where that line is. The
0: other interesting thing that, that makes me think it's not quite like, it makes me skeptical, the blacklist comparison. and also makes me think Hollywood isn't as bad as, uh, as like print media for example is um you and i have a mutual who is in in the world of hollywood he's he's seems to be a lefty but like us he's skeptical of cancel culture and stuff he actually told me that that it's noteworthy to him that hollywood when it comes to like screenwriters agents producers seems to be a more tolerant sort of libertarian place with regard to political differences and you know if that's true i'm wondering if it's just that like while there's some subjectivity involved maybe it's like Maybe everyone sort of knows what an amazing screenplay is and they just can't really afford to discount it because of the politics of the, of the writer. Although by that same token, people shouldn't feel they can discount Joe Rogan, but people want him out of media, too. So who knows?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just don't I don't think it's we're like living in a healthy society when people are rightfully scared to express really sort of mainstream ideas. She obviously wasn't afraid to express them, but that's one of the problems with cancel culture. And I do consider this an instance of cancel culture isn't just what happens to her. It's what this says to everybody else because it stifles conversation. It makes people scared to speak their minds. And I just don't think that a healthy society is one in which people are terrified to, sit, to stand up and say, like, I, you know, I fucking think that Jews run the world. The other. OK. <laughs> <laughs> bad example. OK, bad example. but But, but you know. These mainstream opinions, like even voting for Trump, I don't think that somebody who you know – 73 million people voted for Trump or whatever it was. I don't think that you should be scared of running out of – of being run out of your job for voting for the Republican candidate for office. No. And I do think a lot of people in certain fields would be. I think this question of like
0: popular belief in an opinion and whether it should be cancelable is complicated. But I just think at the end of the day, you know, 75 million people is what? Like a, a fifth of the country, a fourth of the country. It's just not – it's not reasonable to expect such a large percentage of the country to not be able to express its political views, including with the coarseness with which we often do. The counterpoint to that, I guess, someone will bring up like slavery or Nazism. But like there's this like kumbaya idealistic part of me that just wonders how – different this would be like let's say our goal is to change gina carano's mind and let's say some other famous hollywood person had been like come on my podcast let me try to convince you why you're wrong-headed about it and it produces an hour of audio of them talking it over don't you think like Every possible world in which they do that instead of just firing her, turning her into a martyr is better, even if your goal is just making people more progressive.
1: Exactly. Uh, did you see the column last week in the Los Angeles Times by uh, Virginia Heffernan? It was called, What Can You Do About the Trumpites Next Door? And it starts out, this is the most, the most fucking Just listen to this lead. Oh, heck no. The Trumpites next door to our pandemic getaway, who seem as devoted to the ex-president as you can get without being Q fans, just plowed our driveway without being asked and did a great job. And then, first of all, let's just pause on this pandemic getaway. So this is not where she lives. This is maybe a vacation home or someplace she has gone to, like flee the pandemic. So she is not on her home turf. She is in somebody else's neighborhood. Um, and then so she, she complains about how this neighbor, who's apparently a Trump supporter, plowed her driveway without being asked. And she doesn't know what to do about it. She goes as far to compare this, uh, this, this neighbor Trump voter, um, to Hezbollah. She also, of course, invokes the Nazis, as you, you must do.
0: (laughs) As one does. As
1: one does. Um, and, you know, basically says like, I, you know, I don't know if I should thank this guy or not because he's a Trump supporter. And to me, I mean, first of all, you're an asshole. That's it. Like you're an asshole. That's it. That's it. Um, but also if your goal, and I think her goal is to change this guy's mind, the way to do it is not to ignore his, his gesture of kindness and then write a column about it. And then in the Los Angeles time about what a fucking idiot is. is. it's just not how you change people's minds.
0: So your argument – I want to make sure I have this right – is that this man will not read the column denigrating him after he committed an act of kindness to his neighbor. This won't make him renounce Trump and become a, a liberal Democrat?
1: Exactly. She should have published it in the local paper instead.
0: You, But you have a personal story about uh, Trump friendship, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, my uh, my uh, across-the-street neighbor, he's a man in his late 80s. He's a Trump supporter. he I've talked about him on the podcast a bunch of times. He has – 200 guns and a bunch of samurai swords. So don't try to break into his house. He actually, he's now he's homebound now. He's been going through some health stuff. And so my wife and I have been spending more time with him, um, which is like painful to do because I'm like kind of watching someone die. And she goes over there and she, she like bathes him and shit like that. But every time I go to his house, uh, he never answers his phone. So I just show up and I open the door um because he's kind of deaf. So he can't hear him knock. And he sits in a like a lazy boy all day um, because he can't walk anymore. And he keeps a like, gun like 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 in his chair between like the arm That's, and the and the cushion. Dangerous. I know. So I am slightly concerned at some point I'm going to go check on him and I'm going to end up getting murdered. Um, he will not mean it, though. He likes us. But he is like we have very different politics. This is a man who is almost 90 years old. He spent his career in the Navy. Um, he is probably racist, although he hasn't said anything like explicit to me in a few weeks at least. He does refer to Asians as Orientals. He was married to three of them, but he still calls them Orientals. Um, and he was most certainly homophobic. I've heard this from other neighbors that he was homophobic. And then the lesbians moved in across the street. And when we first moved in, I was sort of hesitant to get to know him. He's, uh, you know, he has a bunch of trucks. He's, he has a big sign on his, on his door, like a, a second amendment, don't tread on me sign. Um, you know, I sort of reverted to my own stereotypes about this. He was certainly signaling his politics and I was kind of scared to get to know this guy. My wife, however, is a much better person than I was. And she immediately went and like baked him cookies and went and met him. Probably not a good idea because he's diabetic, but still, you know. She was doing doing the thing, just trying to kill him. And so yeah, and so he at one point, you know, he would see me sort of come and go, but I'd never met him. And at one point, he said to her, "Um, am I ever going to meet your partner?" And she told me that, and I was like, "He said partner? Like that's a very that's <laughs> yeah. unexpected language. I I thought he would say like he can only see me from a distance, so I figured he would say son, but he said partner." <laughs> um. And anyway, so I started going over there and I met him and he, he has a dog and we have the dog and the dogs are really good friends. We walk the dog all the time. It, it has ended up being a satisfying relationship, a weird relationship. Um, but. You know, especially during pandemic, <laughs> one of my one of my only actual like r- human connections in the world. Um, and it has nothing to do with politics. We don't talk about politics very often. We do every once in a while. He definitely has called Nancy Pelosi a bitch a couple of times. And I'm fine with that. You know, I was the one who got to tell him that Trump got COVID. Um, so, you know,
0: <laughs> a little victory. So, right. So your wife, who who is a registered nurse, just like just bathes this guy out of the goodness of her heart.
1: Yeah, she's a really good person.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, uh, I think everyone should be able to celebrate a story like that. I also, I often go back to Anthony Bourdain, who would go into very distant cultures where clearly there was plenty of homophobia and transphobia and traditional beliefs about this and that, and he would just share a meal and enjoy their culture and figure out what they had in common. And it frustrated me that so many people claimed to be devastated by his death, and his death hit me harder than any celebrity death has. But but these are the same people who will drag people online for suggesting we should ever attempt to transcend politics, which I think is unhealthy. You know, I, I can understand how, like, if if you're one of the groups most affected by Trump, I could understand, like, viewing it with some suspicion, that attempt to transcend politics. But I just I don't think we really have another choice. Right. Like, I think at the end of the day, we have to live with one another.
1: And it's th- it's the most effective way. Having actual human connection with people who don't believe the same things as you is actually the most effective way of changing hearts and minds. I mean, our listeners probably have heard of Daryl Davis. He's a black man, a musician who has spent much of his adult life befriending actual KKK members. Um And, you know, he does this at no small risk to himself and it actually works. He's collected apparently like 150 KKK robes, robes that former members of the KKK give this man when they renounce their former beliefs. And they didn't do that because they read some, like some tweets about how they were Nazis online. They did it through actual human connection. You know, the gay rights movement did not did not change because uh people were told that their beliefs were unsophisticated or immoral or whatever people's beliefs changed because their friends and family came out yeah
0: and and i i have can i tell a lame story of my own on these lines it's sort of kumbaya
1: actually that's ableist jesse Could you tell a i don't know a, a differently abled story about yourself
0: here's a really deaf story i have so so when i was in grad school um they did this thing where you have to do, it was a public policy grad school, you have to do a workshop. You go somewhere for 10 days, learn about the problems there and write up a report trying to solve it. Me and my grad school classmates, we were tasked with, uh, solving the Israeli-Palestinian crisis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was it you and Jared Kushner?
0: Yeah, exactly. No, they flew us to, to the, uh, Israel and the territories. Uh, oh
1: God, I thought you were kidding.
0: No, with 10 days, our professor was a former ambassador to Israel and to Egypt from the US, Daniel Kurtzer. So we went around, we, we were in Israel, we were in the territories, we met with people from across the political spectrum. We would often share meals with them. We went to these crazy right-wing settlers. We went to, we met, uh, we went to Ramallah. We met with, like, veterans of the Palestinian movement, some of whom I'm sure, 20 years ago, if you had said, like, told my parents, your son will be meeting with these people, like, they'd be like, what the fuck? Like, we went to a refugee camp where there's a wall of their martyrs. Like it is possible if it's possible to sit down. And of course I have like massive political disagreement with right wing Israeli settlers too. Like it should tell us something that it is possible to sit down with people like who hate each other that much and just talk about their history and what they want and try to learn from them and drink, Tea and coffee. Like, I know this sounds very kumbaya, but like there is such a level of geographic and ideological segregation in the US. And the fact is, like you and your neighbor, whatever your political differences, you have such you're both white Americans who share the same language. You have huge similarities to drop on like you. Like, in other words, like if Israelis and Palestinians can fucking meet and eat and drink together, you would think you can get Americans to just have political conversations.
1: So you think that my neighbor and I should sit around and talk about our whiteness?
0: Yes. Yeah. Bring in Robin D'Angelo. Um, yeah. I'm
1: gonna bring great. him some Judas Butler tracks and teach him. Uh, teach him about pronouns. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I'm not like I'm not trying to make myself. I, I'm not good at this too. I, I judge people. I'm misanthropic. But like, it is a powerful experience to go somewhere and to talk to people you think hate you or who you have nothing in common with and. It's just weird to me that anyone would be against that. And there's a certain present bias where people imagine that there will never be a political difference as big as that between liberals and Trump supporters. Historically, we have overcome much bigger differences than that. Like I'm sorry to tell you, but this is not like Trumpism's horrible, but it is not the bottom of the bar- barrel of humanity at all. Like things can get much worse,
1: you know, I think this is such a good lesson for other people. However, if you told me that I needed to go sit down and like have a conversation with the people who put stickers up around Seattle about me, I probably wouldn't want to do it. I think that I could I, I actually I did. At one point there was an email address that that was like Katie Herzog is a turf or something like that. People feel free to email this address. Um and you could like email this this uh this this address and they would send out the stickers that said I was transphobic or a neo-Nazi and you could put them around Seattle yourself. Jesus,
0: that's so much effort.
1: Well, one time I I actually did email this, uh, this, this address. And I said like, hi, you know, I love your work. Thank you for doing my PR for the past two years. You've been really great at it. Um, and if you would like to have a conversation about why you think I'm transphobic, I'm open to it. What I received back was, you know, that, that, that meme of a, it's a picture, a photo of a, of a pig with shit on its butt. Yeah, that's what they do. That's, a cool that's what they do. They sent that back.
0: What's, what's this email address
1: exactly? Katie Herzog is a turf at gmail.com.
0: I've had the same experience, except I, I feel differently. I have openly asked for discussion with the people who think that my views are so horrible. I should be driven out of journalism, which in the case of like Parker Malloy, she literally said I should be fired from New York magazine. I asked if we could have a public conversation about it. She said no. So like, what the fuck do you do with someone like that? Um you really given the opportunity for public conversation with like a, a you know, a high profile person who hates you. You really wouldn't take them up on that?
1: Oh, I would. I, I would. I mean, it would be, it would be, I'd be uncomfortable about it. It would be, I think, like a stressful experience that I would probably like have to take a beta blocker and smoke some weed first. Um, but I would do it. As long as it didn't turn into a struggle session, which is what happened when I did have, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I did have a conversation with a bunch of trans women in Seattle. Um, and it turned into a struggle session where they were like literally shaming me and like snapping and like telling them that I was responsible for the deaths of trans women.
0: It has to do with how you structure the encounter. Cause in that case, it was framed as they're complaining and the stranger has to listen to them and they like vastly outnumbered you, right?
1: Right. And this was not a good faith effort to like have a conversation about our differences. This was just, uh, this was just an excuse, I think, to like shame me.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Well, is that, is that about it?
1: A lot of this stuff, of course, just like happens online, but I've seen so many people since, like, of course, since was, Trump was elected the first time, but especially since January 8th or January 6th, um, when the riot on, on DC happened, uh, disavowing Trump supporting friends on Facebook. And I also really don't think that is an effective way to make the world a better place or to change your friend's mind. So I understand why people do it, but like you get passionate, you feel heated, you're mad, but I don't think that this is going to change people's minds. And I really think it's just going to make it worse in the end. So you should stop.
0: I I also think it's frankly – like if a Black Lives Matter march degenerates and a few people from it burn down a police building, it is disingenuous to say that that is the responsibility of everyone who is at the march. Similarly – Or know,
1: everyone who voted for Joe Biden.
0: Yeah. Similarly, like I, I'm disturbed by the percentage of Trump supporters who – believe crazy shit. But the, you can't blame an individual Trump supporter for having breached the Capitol if they didn't breach the Capitol and if they don't support it. So I just the the public denunciations really get to me. I talked about this last week or in the last episode in, in a personal context. But like, yeah, if, if you're personally denouncing a friend of yours to try to gain online clout, that's a really morally shitty act. Yeah. So y'all stop it. Well, one other thing I think our listeners should do is inspired by your wife find sort of the oldest person in your neighborhood enter their home with or without their permission and just give them a bath (laughs) just bathe them they might not want it or need it but it will show that you care about them
1: and then if this is a white person and you're also a white person talk about whiteness just take the opportunity while you were bathing them while you're cleaning this person's crotch to have a little lesson on on whiteness
0: we are at blocked and reported podcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch you can uh, we're about to record a patreon episode on the question of whether journalists are becoming hall monitors this should be fun patreon.com slash blocked reported for five dollars a month or more you get at least three extra episodes a month we also have a chat coming up with our listeners and an ask us anything subreddit reddit.com slash r slash blocked reported and uh, barpod.org our merch merch store this has been blocked and reported. I'm Jesse Single and remember, we can heal this nation's political divides by bathing one old man at a time.
1: And I'm Katie Herzog and also remember, Disney will soon announce the cancellation of Yoda when it's revealed he posted all lives matter on Facebook.